Welcome back to, to the, the Dead, Dead to the, the World, World podcast. podcast. Sorry. I'm Mama Dawn. <laughs> I'm Lexi, and I'm... I forgot to do the intro. <laughs> and I'm Tasha. <laughs> welcome back. Woo! That was me throwing in my welcome back. <laughs> thanks for coming back. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks for, thanks coming, for back. coming back. <laughs> if you came back. <laughs> we hope that you all had a fantastic Valentine's Day. Yes. And happy past birthday to Tasha and Daddy Dale. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. You guys already wished me happy birthday on the last one. Yeah, we did. No, you did. I'm saying you well, did. I know, but we're allowed to say it again. Oh, yeah, okay. Thank yeah. you. It's just, you know, we're sharing the love. <laughs> and since I don't have anything exciting even to talk about, did you guys even have anything exciting that you're like, oh, I got to share that on the podcast? Well, yes. Not really exciting. Well, one, I got my nose pierced. That's fun. Ah, oh, yeah. yes. That's fun. For the wolves. And then another thing, today at work, we were talking about like what you think about to get yourself to fall asleep. And I was like, that's interesting. We've never talked about that before. Oh, you know, we should do a episode so we should about do an that. Episode about that. But I was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to ask them. Like when you're trying to fall asleep, what do you think about? So I don't think about anything, but Kyle does. And Kyle tells me to think about this certain thing. Uh-huh. This, it's hilarious the way he's like, he's like Tasha or in his, he'd probably say, hey, babe or whatever. But you know. He's like, just imagine yourself in like a church or like a gym and you're on the stage and you're curling yourself in the curtain and you're just twisting and twisting and it's just black. And he's like, just keep thinking of you just twisting around in the curtain until eventually you'll fall asleep because all it is is black. Interesting. I know. Okay. But But that's what he thinks of like. Similar to what I think of, but I literally have to tell myself to think about a black piece of construction paper. Really? Like just so it's just black. But for some reason, if I tell myself just to think of nothing, it doesn't work. So I literally think of a black piece of paper. And then sometimes in my mind, things will start showing up on the paper. And I'm like, no, 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 get out. I have to think of just the black paper and I'll fall asleep. That's so I have never done either of those well, that's things. That's what I'm saying. Like I said something like that. And another girl at work was like, she's like, I do that too. Like I just picture like black. And then she said the same thing. Sometimes she'll start seeing things and in her mind. Yeah. She's like, no, go away. Like so I'm trying I, to sleep. I don't do that. But I just think it's funny that Kyle, his thing is specifically like, and kids have done that. We've all done that. Oh, yeah. Have you all up done in that? The, you all roll up in like the, the like curtain. stage yeah, curtains? Yeah, stage curtains. Exactly. I just think it's funny. Yeah. I think about something that I did that was enjoyable. I don't usually have to think about much to fall asleep at night because I usually just pass right out. But in the middle, like if I wake up and I'm stressed out about something, I've talked about this before and mm-hmm. I start obsessing and then it's like, can you do anything about it now? So then I think about either like a vacation that we went on that was very enjoyable or like being on the beach or being in the mountain, just one of the things that like I really enjoyed. Hmm. And then I just start going through like the trip. Like what did we do? Where were we? And then eventually I fall asleep. At this point I don't sleep. Oh, good so. point. Yeah. That baby giving and me I troubles. And I take two sleeping medications and I still don't sleep. Really? Yes. It's terrible. I just toss and turn all freaking night long. So is it because like your back's uncomfortable or she's kicking so much or like what... Can you tell? I honestly don't know. I think I'm just uncomfortable. Like, I can only lay... I mean, I'm one of those people who I toss and turn anyways. But now it's, like, heightened. It's, like, Mm -hmm. extensive. Yeah. Didn't your DNA say that was even, like, something normal about you? Yeah, I did, like, the 23 in me. And it says, on average, I turn 16 times before I actually fall asleep. Oh, that's crazy. So now imagine me as a normal person, and now imagine me in my third trimester. It's like, yeah, I just toss and turn. You're like, forget it. Forget it. But anyways, All oh, right. really quick. Kyle, for my birthday, got me a cricket maker. 
Oh, the, and I'm the so cutter. excited. Is that what it's called? A cricket maker? Yeah, it's yeah. a cricket. Oh, okay. It's like a vinyl that one took sticker. Like, huh? Isn't a vinyl sticker maker? I think you can make anything. Oh, or like, like die cuts or cuts, vinyl. Um, you can put like a calligraphy pin in and schedule it, and it will do calligraphy. Like oh, you can do a ton of stuff. Cool. I know. I'm excited for you to learn how to use it, so you can do stuff for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, make make us all something a little nice. Yeah, be cool. Next year's Christmas, holiday, and birthday presents are going to be to a next level. Awesome. (laughs) Hilarious. Well, guess what's coming up um, tomorrow, as in when this gets recorded? Yes, tomorrow, the 21st of February. The 20th of February. I mean, the 20th of February. Sorry, my dates are all messed up. (laughs) It's President's Day. You said that wrong. You said as this is being recorded. So I'm thinking, what's tomorrow? What's tomorrow? Oh, re- <laughs> released. Sorry. Sorry. The day it's being released. President's Day. <laughs> Woo. So, you know, in our, we're, we're getting better about noticing the holidays. And we want to do a President's Day episode. Once again, we are back. Last time we played President D music. You probably already heard it again. Oh, yeah. I forgot that that's part of the whole editing thing. Like, that doesn't happen here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's funny. I Well, not funny. So last time, we really did focus it more on dreams and whatnot. But then this time, I'm like, I found like this. Wow, I'm not speaking very well. Neither am I. On Reddit, (laughs) when I was doing research for other things during the year, I found two things about presidents that I saved. And I was like, okay, when we have our president's episode, this is what I'm talking about. So the first thing, you may have heard this before, but it still blows my mind every time I read it. It is the history between Abraham Lincoln and John F. Kennedy. The history or... The comparisons. The connections. The connections. I've never heard them. Yeah, so it <gasps> says... So I really I, haven't. Wait, hold on. Before you go into it, yeah. not only if have you if you've heard it before, but also even if you've heard it before, you've probably forgotten. Try, correct. I've heard it like three times and I couldn't even... I, yeah, I could remember one or two points. I couldn't remember all of them. Yeah. So I got this from Flamzy Mopple off Facebook. Facebook. Gosh, I can't Facebook. even talk. I'm struggling Being already Facebook. today. <laughs> so it says, have a history teacher explain this if they can. Abraham Lincoln was elected to Congress in 1846. JFK was elected to, elected to Congress on 1946. So 100 years later. 1846, 1946. 1946. Yep. Okay. okay. Caught up. Tosh Ab- is looking at me like really to make sure I heard that. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln was elected president in 1860. JFK was elected president in 1960. Okay, 1860, 1960. Thank you. Again, 100 years apart. Everyone listening to this is going to be like, wow, you're stupid. And just to preface before I say it, I'm aware. <laughs> JFK, John, John F. Kennedy, John F. Kennedy is the one that got assassinated. Yes. In the limp parade. In the parade. Yes. Okay. Yes. I was just making sure. That's okay. I no, hear a right. lot of abbreviations of letters. Wanted to make sure I had the right one. Yeah. Yeah. So Abraham <laughs> Lincoln. I'm just kidding. No, I'm yeah. using what other actually, abbreviations. What is his name? John Franklin Kennedy. Okay, thank you. Yes. Yeah, so Abraham Lincoln and John Franklin Kennedy were both assassinated. Okay, thank you. And it's just, there's just these very interesting parallels between the two of them that 
it's like, um, is this just like meant to be in life? Like, what are the coincidences? Yeah. Is it like a reincarnation type of situation? You, you'll find out. It's too okay. many coincidences to be a coincidence. Wow. In okay. Life. I am intrigued. And okay. also, keep going. And also <laughs> real quick, just to clarify, earlier when I said Jack, I know that that's not his name. I was just, you know how I'm funny yes. and I make abbreviations like, like Jack, French toast, karma. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. Anyways, go ahead. Gotcha. All right. So both were particularly concerned with civil rights. Both wives lost a child while living in the White House. Both presidents were shot on a Friday. Both presidents were shot in the head. Now it really gets weird. Lincoln's secretary was named Kennedy. Kennedy's secretary was named Lincoln. Yeah. While like in office. I'm like giving myself the chills. Both were assassinated by Southerners. Both were succeeded by Southerners named Johnson. Andrew Johnson, who succeeded Lincoln, was born in 1808. Lyndon Johnson, who succeeded Kennedy, was born in 1908. Again, 100 years apart. 1808, 1908. What the? This is weird. How have I never heard any of this? You've not heard this before? Never heard of this before. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then John Wilkes Booth, who assassinated Lincoln, was born in 1839. Lee Harvey Oswald, who assassinated Kennedy, was born in 1939. 1839, 1939. Okay, there's no way. Yeah. Both assassinations were known, or or excuse me, both assassins were known by three names. John Wilkes Booth, Lee Harvey Oswald, which is just weird in itself. Both names are composed of 15 letters. Now hang on to your seat. Lincoln. (laughs) That was us holding on. (laughs) Lincoln was shot at a theater named Ford. Kennedy was shot in a car, Lincoln, made by Ford. I I literally shook right now. Both uh, Booth and Oswald were assassinated before their trials. And here's the kicker. A week before Lincoln was shot, he was in Monroe, Maryland. And a week before Kennedy was shot, he was with Marilyn Monroe. Is Is that that why she's saying happy birthday? Yep. Happy birthday, birthday, Mr. President. (laughs) Of course, I know about that. Yeah. (laughs) And dot, 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 dot. Lincoln was shot in a theater and the assassin ran to a warehouse. Kennedy was shot in a warehouse and the assassin ran to a theater. What the? Is that wild? And that's it. But how? What the heck? Who? Okay, I'm sorry. We live in a simulation. And every 100 years, they were like, all right, well, we don't have time to program a new year. So let's repeat the other one and change the names. But let's just flip everything. Let's flip flip it. it. Yep, everything just flipped. So crazy. Dude, I'm so confused. So I hope you enjoyed that little bit of. I enjoyed that more than you know. (laughs) I had no idea. I have vinyl, like a record Mm -hmm. of John FK's, like. I think assassination or like, I don't know exactly what the like title of the label is, but it's like a whole like documentary uh, of like, mm-hmm. but it's a vinyl. Oh, it's like on a record, a record player. So it's like yeah. almost like a news documentary yeah, it's that like they a would do nowadays. report or something they do nowadays, but it's on record. I remember That's being in cool. school and just being absolutely shocked that they just show us the whole video of him being shot. Oh, I was I almost like, oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> well, like, and oh. poor wife, like she oh had gosh, like yeah. brains on her. Like how I, I can't even imagine oh, okay. that. Okay, trigger warning. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, actually, did you know there's documentaries that you can watch? And I'm pretty sure I've watched one before. Like, I mean, come on. I mean, things are conspiracy. You know, mm-hmm. it's who knows what to believe or whatnot. But it was like this documentary talking about like, oh, well, 
you know, he had to be shot from like this angle at this location because the way the bullet came and then like transferred and hit like the headrest and just like all, all this yeah. crazy stuff. Yeah, well, and stuff. I think it like, shot. Whoa. It shot killed another person too. I think there was think another was person in the car. Yeah, that got killed as well because it went through I both could be of wrong, them. But okay, so now I'm going to get to my main story. That was just a little teaser. Wait, I wanted is your to main story about either of those two? JFK. Oh, okay, because I was going to say some more stuff about JFK, but let you finish first. Well, this you could probably still talk about your JFK stuff because I bet this is not part of it. I was just going to mention that, like, I know a lot of people think or conspiracy theory that like the government has the information of whom or whatever killed jfk Mm -hmm. and it's like under lock and key and they're gonna release it at some point in some like year or something but they already know who shot him or is there you're saying that's not the real person or there's some type of conspiracy something in regards to like it's not accurate or maybe the government was hiding something or yes. the government You're was correct. involved there is some with that on john wilkes booth for lincoln too a lot of okay. people don't believe that he was actually assassinated and he lived out the rest of his life as another person oof that's i think i've heard that one yeah there's there's so many things out there i was gonna do i thought for this episode just i didn't end up doing it which is why i'm saying this but i was like oh maybe i'll do like conspiracy theories about the president but that was getting a little too wild <laughs> i was like never mind i'm gonna start <laughs> some drama i'm gonna get us canceled she was going down <laughs> a rabbit hole that just went down and well down because and then down. it started being all bush did 9 11 and all and i was like oh, oh yeah that's probably not well <laughs> where we want to go <laughs> and just so you guys are aware i went with the you know our our name is dead to the world and i went with the death part of our podcast today not the sleep part i didn't go with I any see. part <laughs> yeah me neither <laughs> so i got this on a reddit feed and i this blew my mind because i had never heard this before so this is like i mentioned about jfk john f kennedy and it says why was jfk's original casket dropped to the bottom of the ocean what exactly that's what i said too what <laughs> it was approximately 1 p.m when a man called Vernon B. O'Neill of O'Neill's Funeral Home and asked for the best casket that the O'Neills had available. The man on the phone, simultaneously calm and tense, needed the coffin quickly and O'Neill had a slight problem. Of the 18 people who worked at O'Neill's Funeral Home, 17 of them were out at lunch. After all, it was a beautiful Friday in November in Texas. O'Neill picked out and sold a bronze coffin with a white satin lining tagged at the sales price of $3,995 from his storeroom and waited for three men or three more of his employees to return from lunch. The bulky Handley Britannia, Britannia, sorry, the bulky Handley Britannia casket from the Elgin Casket Company weighed over 400 pounds when it was empty and O'Neill certainly couldn't lift it into the Cadillac hearse by himself. Once he had it loaded, he rushed, rushed to Parkside Memorial Hospital on the most important delivery of his career. And before I read this next part, just a trigger warning, it does get a little bit graphic at the condition of JFK's body. So if you want to skip ahead, like, I don't even know how long this is going to go. Like about 15 or 30 seconds or yeah, something. Something like that. Okay. So here goes. Vernon O'Neill was horrified when he saw the condition of the president's body. Blood was everywhere, and a gaping wound exposed brain matter, which was seeping out of JFK's head. Not wanting to damage the beautiful and expensive casket that he had picked out for the president, O'Neill and several emergency room nurses went to work. 
The bottom of the inside of the coffin was lined with plastic mattress coverings, and the president's body was wrapped in a bed sheet. The nurses went even further and spent 20 minutes carefully wrapping President Kennedy's head in numerous white bed sheets so that the blood didn't seep through the stains of the lining of the casket. Or seep through and stain the Maybe lining. Maybe this is a... I don't... Don't they normally, like, clean you up and, like, get rid of all that before they put like you in a Like embalming fluid, fluid and all that? Yeah. I think the situation was different. Okay. Yeah, it gets into that a little bit more. Oh, normally, okay. you wouldn't be taken right from the hospital and put in a casket. Yeah, that's why I was a little confused. I'm like, wait, don't you go through different processes? <laughs> yeah, you have to be embalmed normally yeah. and all that. When President Kennedy's casket was opened at Bethesda, it became readily apparent that the hard work of Vernon O'Neill and the nurses at Park Memorial in Dallas to protect the inside of the expensive coffin was unsuccessful. The makeshift bandage, which had been carefully wrapped around Kennedy's head, did not prevent seepage after all. Blood soaked through the sheets, which made up the bandage, and the inner lining of, the, of Kennedy's ornate casket was obviously damaged. I mean, it's a casket. Yes. I don't know why they were so worried about the inside, just saying. Yeah. The pathologists who performed JFK's autopsy finished their work shortly after midnight on November 23, 1963. Photographs and drawings were taken of Kennedy's body during the autopsy, and when the autopsy was finished, morticians from one of the Capitol's finest funeral, pol- funeral parlors arrived on scene. A team of, from, I think it's Grawlers, G-A-W-L-E-R's, L-E-R-S. <laughs> I got, we got what you meant. <laughs> Crawler's funeral home entered the autopsy room at Bethesda Naval Hospital to embalm the president and attempt to make him presentable. The casket that brought JFK back to Washington from Dallas did not work. While the casket from O'Neill's was a beauty from the exterior, the interior was a mess. All of the safeguards attempted by O'Neill's and the park nurses in Dallas were not quite enough to protect the inside of the Hadley Britannica from the gruesome wound that had killed the president. The history of Vernon O'Neill's casket did not end that that night at Bethesda when President Kennedy was transferred to a different coffin. Growler's funeral home took possession of JFK's original casket after they placed him in an undamaged casket that their mortuary team had brought to to Bethesda following Kennedy's autopsy. Whether it was a morbid souvenir or simply due to the confusion about what to do with it, Growlers stored JFK's original coffin in a warehouse in Washington, D.C. In January of 1964, less than two months after JFK's burial, Vernon O'Neill submitted a bill to the federal government for $3,995 for the casket that Secret Service agent Clint Hill ordered in Dallas and JFK was transported to Washington in. The government felt that O'Neill's bill was excessive, particularly since he had merely delivered the casket to Parkland Hospital in Dallas and had not performed any other funeral services such as the embalming, chapel services, or transportation of the mourners. O'Neill lowered the price to five, oh, by $500. I was going to say he lowered it to $500. Well, that was generous. No, he lowered it by, <laughs> by $500. Uh, but the government still had uh, an issue with the $3,495 price tag, which Why? is so cheap nowadays. That's so, and also you're the freaking government. Just pay the bill and be on your way. <laughs> I will never understand when people say the government's in debt. I'm like, to who? Like, what do you mean the government's in debt? We don't need to go into it. You guys yeah. can explain that to me later. Okay, we'll <laughs> okay. explain it later. 
So what Vernon just owned, make more money. Sorry, <laughs> just print more. And you know how they make more money? They charge us taxes. Yeah, don't make more money. <laughs> <laughs> so what Vernon O'Neill actually wanted was the casket itself. O'Neill had received offers of a hundred thousand dollars by parties interested in collecting and displaying the casket as a, a unique relic of the slain president. For the Kennedy family, still reeling from the assassination in its aftermath, the last thing they wanted was a spectacle surrounding a blood-stained coffin and JF that JFK had spent a few hours in. At the family's urging, the government paid O'Neill. He received $3,160 for his services on November 22, 1963. And the General Services Administration took possession of the object in 1965. Wait, are you going to get into, like, why they switched caskets and stuff? Well, they switched the caskets because he got the first one all bloody. I know, but why did they put him in there all bloody in the That's first place? That's what I was going I don't get it. I think, <laughs> I think they wanted just a nicer way to transport him. Gotcha. Like, okay. in, a more like in a more respectful yeah, way. Yeah, so they could take him. I'm sure Air Force One was there in, mm -hmm. in Dallas, and so they probably took the casket. So if people saw them transporting the body, okay. it just wasn't a body on a stretcher that with a sheet over it. That makes a lot more it. sense. That's I the mean, thing I couldn't, I was so confused by. I'm like, I why did they do it? it? But why didn't you still choose a nice, like a nice looking coffin, but not so like Fancy. white and linen and, you know, like why not just something decent to transport him and then bury him once he was embalmed in whatever well, in the nice fancy one. They thought they were going to be able to get him there without it being crazy, crazy, I see. without it getting damaged. But obviously that didn't happen. So let's see. Uh, in September of 1965, the... House of Representatives passed a bill which required the government to preserve any objects related to the Kennedy assassination which might contain evidentiary, evidentiary, I hate these hard words, evidentiary. Do you guys know how to say that? I have no idea what you're trying to say. Okay. Anything that might have evidence. Okay. <laughs> Got it. it. Several days later, Representative Earl uh, Cabell from Texas sent a letter to the Attorney General Nicholas Katzenbach, who had replaced Bobby Kennedy as the Justice Department a year earlier. In his letter, Congress Congressman Cabell suggested that the casket had no value for anyone other than the morbidly curious. Since the Kennedy family did not see fit to use this particular casket in the ultimate internment of the body, Cabell felt that it was surplus, material owned and controlled by the federal government. To shut down those who would be morbidly curious, Cabell recommended that the casket be declared the property of the USA and as such, in keeping with the best interests of the country, be destroyed. The Kennedy family agreed with Congressman Cabell's sentiment, and the Attorney General Kazenbach ensured everyone that the casket had no evidence in it. <laughs> since I can't say that other word, and had no good reason to be displayed or stored, and that it was property of the government and had the right to dispose of it whichever way they saw fit. I don't Sorry. even know who that was. <laughs> it was my throat. My throat gurgled. Sorry about that. <laughs> On February 18th, 1966, several members of the Air Force picked the casket up from a secure building at the National Archives just a few blocks from the White House. The casket was placed in an Air Force truck and transported to Andrews Air Force Base, the, uh, the very place that the casket had originally landed in Washington with President Kennedy inside less than three years earlier. So I find that interesting. That is interesting. It's like, kind of like a round trip now. Oh, well, 
in, in Washington. <laughs> sorry, wow. round trip ticket. That was funny. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean for it to be funny necessarily, but it was. It was still was a little bit of a dark okay. humor joke there. <laughs> so. At Andrews, the Air Force team from the 93rd Air Terminal Squadron loaded the coffin onto a C-130 transport plane. To dispose of the casket, the Air Force had decided to take it to a place that JFK had once considered being buried, the Atlantic Ocean. Kennedy loved the sea and was said to have considered being buried at sea when he died. Of course, we know that Kennedy was buried at Arlington National Cemetery, but for many reasons, the Atlantic Ocean was the perfect place for the disposal of the casket that had brought him back to Washington following his assassination. The Air Force wanted to ensure the integrity of the casket and not, and not allow it to become a souvenir by someone who happened to come across it floating in the ocean or washing up on shore. The C-130 flew about 100 miles east of Washington, D.C. and descended to about 500 feet above the water. Before taking off, the Air Force had drilled over 40 holes into the casket and filled it with three 80-pound bags of sand, so sandbags. It was also secured inside of a wooden crate and sealed shut in a manner that it wouldn't break apart when hitting the water. At approximately 10 a.m., the C-130's tail hatch was opened and the casket was pushed out of the aircraft. Parachutes softened its fall and the casket began to sink instantly. The airplane circled the drop zone for about 20 minutes to make sure that the coffin didn't resurface, but they had no reason to worry. The Air Force had chosen an area of the Atlantic that saw very little air or sea traffic, and the casket settled in about 9,000 feet of water. The Kennedy family was relieved that they no longer had to worry about a bloody casket going on display somewhere for the morbidly curious. Coincidentally, in 1999, President Kennedy's son, John F. Kennedy Jr., was killed when, he was, when his plane was flying and crashed. I said that wrong. <laughs> he was killed when the plane he was flying crashed, so he was flying the plane. After his body was recovered and identified, JFK Jr.'s remains were taken out into the Atlantic Ocean, just a few hundred miles from the drop zone of his father's original casket, and he was buried at sea. Interesting. So I had just never heard no, I didn't know about that. the original casket. I didn't even know it existed. Here's so my thick question or thought. You know how you like, there's all these discovery shows and like the Mayans treasures and mm-hmm. Skinwalker Ranch, blah, blah, blah. It's like, how come you don't see like researchers or documentaries of people trying to go find this casket? I guess maybe they did a good job at the time of not making it like so viral. like a big thing about it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, social or people media have, and we don't know about it because then they've been killed. They don't talk trying. about it. <laughs> well, I don't think that. <laughs> but if it's nine thousand feet under the ocean, I don't. You can't really go Titanic. down there. Uh, I don't think it was nine thousand. I think they picked like a very deep spot of the ocean. Let's, but, let's yeah, Google take that. Yeah, let's Google that. Say how far did the Titanic sink in the ocean? It sunk 400 miles. So 9,000 is right, quite a big close. difference. Wait, 400 miles? Miles. Well, how much is Mine's that? Mine's 9,000 feet. Oh, feet. okay. Hold on. How many miles? <laughs> I think it was 9,000 feet. Is 9,000 feet. Yeah. That's the question. I actually put 9,000. Or you could just say how many feet is 400 miles? Yeah, 9,000 feet of water. Is only 1.7 miles. Oh. Wait. Okay, Google how many feet is in 400 miles. 
Make it more simple. Yeah. 400 miles is 2.112 E plus six feet. Don't ask me what that's. What the I'm not even joking. That that's what it says. <laughs> okay. How much was it? 9,000? 9, 9,000 feet. Calculate me.com. <laughs> okay. 400 miles is two. Oh, sorry. Whoa. A lot of feet. Look at that. I can't even see. I it. don't even know what that number is and I don't want to Are embarrass myself. Are you sure myself. the Titanic was 400 miles? I don't think that's possible. Maybe they meant feet. Yeah, that would make more sense. Did you pause this, Dodge? They're no. just listening to us do this. How many? We're recording all of our 4,000 meters, Lex. Oh. <laughs> meters. Oh. 13,000 feet. Okay. Sorry. It's so it totally plausible. Okay, so it was more. People couldn't <laughs> dive there, but the robots could go down. Don't I ever ask true. me anything that involves <laughs> numbers, okay? <laughs> I'm like, what are you searching Don't dude? let my boss hear this. It'll okay, this me. is what Lexi... Okay, this is what happened. She saw 400 nautical miles, which is 740 kilometers. Like, um, you were getting all the weird, like, metric-y things mixed up. We as Americans don't know, don't but use. should. Yeah, exactly. So 13,000 feet for Titanic, 9,000 feet for Kennedy's casket. So It's plausible. Yeah, but at Who this point... Who wants to sponsor a voyage? They put 40 holes in it and put it inside a box and filled it with sand, like... It's not going to really be anything once they find it anyway. Well, they wrapped... If they were to. They wrapped Rasputin in a rug and shot him a million times, and he still survived being thrown in the river. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is do Rasputin... Your own, do your own research. <laughs> Rasputin, he's a, he is a real person, but yes. I don't know if that's all real about no, him. No, I'm just laughing because they tried to kill him a million times, and you're like, well, they put, him, they put 40 holes in the box and did sand and <laughs> drug it to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Anyways, I get what you're saying. It's a correlation, but anyways. Okay. Lex, is it you, my dude? I thought you were going to go next, and I was going to go last. I can go next. It doesn't matter. Sounds great. I'll be the loser today. All right. My dude. My dude. (laughs) My dude. I meant dude. I know. You said dude. No, I said my dude to you. I thought mom thought that you said nude. Oh. Oh, no. No, I was just, I was just mimicking (laughs) her. So I was clarifying that it was actually dude. Because it was funny. My dude. (laughs) Okay. So today, I have 46... Surprising facts about 46 presidents. Go figure. And guess how many we've had? 46. And I only know that because I Googled it earlier. Wow. (laughs) Because she was like, doesn't Tosh have like 100 facts about presidents? I'm like, I don't think She's like, well, there's not 100 presidents. (laughs) And she's like, crap, how many presidents have we had? So this is from www.history.com. So I'm just going to read through these because there's obviously 46 of them. So real quick. George Washington, the first U.S. president. War hero. He was an enthusiastic dog breeder, particularly hunting hounds. An enthusiastic dog breeder. Dog breeder. He also wore a wig and had wooden teeth, and he threw them out and said, "Come here, baby." <laughs> okay, that's awkward. Oh yeah, remember? Didn't yeah, we talk about that last year? year? Yeah. Okay, oh, John Adams and his wife Abigail exchanged more than one thousand one hundred letters over the course of their lengthy relationship. That's cute. That is. Cute. Yeah, I think we talked about that a little bit last time too. Thomas Jefferson, this particular no. The principal author of the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, I was going to say. Died on July 4th in 1826 within hours of his frenemy, John Adams. Yes. That was what my whole story was about last time. I know. It's just It was so good. James Madison was the shortest president at 5'4 and weighed barely over 100 pounds. That's a tiny little guy. Yeah. (laughs) Tiny little man. All right, James Monroe, other than Washington, Monroe was the only president to ever run essentially unopposed 
passing the re-election in the 1920 race. So no one ran against him. That's what I'm gathering. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like that was Washington, too. Everybody, well, after he basically won the war, I think he was just, it was like everybody wanted him to be president. Yeah. John Quincy Adams, years after leaving the White House, he argued a famous Supreme Court case that freed the captive Americans who had rebelled aboard the, I'm I'm not sure how to say it, I think it's Amistad slave ship, ship? Amistad. I have no idea. Amistad? Amstead, yes. I yeah. think you're right. Amstead, yeah. I can't count numbers, but I can speak words. <laughs> well, Occasionally. I got one note for you. Not always. Andrew Jackson once killed a man in a duel. Andrew Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Doesn't know. Martin Van Bruen. Bruen? Van Buren. Van Buren. Man, I don't even know the president's names. Um, he was the first president to be born in um, born on American soil. Thank you. I knew that that's what you were going for. <laughs> well, I guess that makes sense. Or like, born an American, I guess is what I was yeah. trying to say. All previous presidents were originally British subjects. Interesting. Having been born prior to 1776. So, and now you have to be an, an American. An American, American oh, citizen. I know I'm free. <laughs> and I won't forget <laughs> the man who died. Whoa, that was bad. <laughs> Paid that price for me. Who gave their lives for me? It's the I'm just singing a different verse. Next to you, you. I'm saluting. And defend you <laughs> okay. still today. I love the saluting emoji. It's my favorite emoji. Just so everyone knows. There's a little emoji that's doing a little salute, and I love him. Oh my! Next is William Henry Harrison. Harrison only lasted 32 days in office, the shortest of any president. No wonder so I didn't know who he was. Yeah. He was there for only a month and two days. That's crazy. John Tyler fathered 15 children, the most of any president. Taylor. I didn't know that. It's Taylor. What did I say? Tyler. It says Taylor. Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R. Oh, I thought it was Taylor. I'm, I'm wrong. sure there's another Taylor in here. Zachary Taylor? Maybe. All right, let's clarify. John Tyler, 15 children. Okay, gotcha. James Polk, during his term... Secretly purchased a number of enslaved children for his Mississippi cotton plantation. Ooh. Ooh, Ooh, that's going to cause us some troubles. Zachary Taylor. Maybe this is who you're That's probably the one. Old, rough, and ready. Never voted in election prior to himself being on ballot. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) He's like, this isn't a good enough reason to vote (laughs) for myself. For myself. (laughs) To be honest, that almost seems like a Trump Wait, can the president can vote for themselves? Of course. I don't know why. I've just never thought about that. They're U.S. citizens. I'm like, wouldn't yours not count? Like, obviously, we know you're going to vote for you. (laughs) (laughs) Milliard Fillmore was the last Whig president. Oh, yeah. I bet Still the next those president wigs. was very happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> Franklin Pierce, the only president from New Hampshire who also attended a college in New England. Okay. Don't know why that's an interesting fact, but I guess it is. <laughs> maybe that's the only one maybe, they could find. Maybe he didn't do much else. They're like, you know what, this guy? Yeah, college. <laughs> uh, James Buchanan, in 1853, while serving as minister to the Great Britain, he helped draft the 1854 Austin Manifesto, which advocated for American invasions of Cuba. Mm. Something that sounds boring, but probably was actually really good. You know what I mean? Maybe. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. My my. You know what? My history is not in this at uh, this field. Okay? Yeah. So just one thing, though. My 
uh, one of my coworkers lives in Canada. And the other day, he's like, we're going to go on vacation. We're going to Cuba. And I'm like, in my mind going, you're going to Cuba? You'll never come back. <laughs> and he's like, no. He said, Americans don't go to Cuba. Canadians, we go to Cuba all the time. And oh, he said, funny. it's the safest place because they depend so much on the tourism that he's like, I would totally let my wife like walk down the street and go get something by herself. She wouldn't be touched at all because they can't afford bad press because oh, they need... The, the tourism, yeah, interesting. That is interesting. Where everything else I see about it is like scary. Yeah. So I don't know, but he sent a lot of pictures and it looked very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Next, of course, Abraham Lincoln, the sixteenth president. Honest Abe, the tallest president, mm-hmm. six four. Yeah. They say he may have had Marfan syndrome, a genetic disorder that causes people to be very tall, thin, and long limbed. Yeah. I believe that that's probably true. He's like one of my favorite presidents. Well, and I think people didn't grow to be as tall back then. They're like, wow, like this we've, giant we've genetically slowly gotten taller. Which is interesting because you'd think all the chemicals and crap we eat would only make us shorter and weirder. <laughs> but I think that's probably what shorter does make us bigger weirder. and taller. Oh, makes, I guess that's like true. you guys started your periods. This may be too MI for our Early. TMI. Nah. But you guys started yours way earlier than I did. And I'm pretty sure it's because of all the hormones they put in the meat. Hmm. We'll just think James Madison was 5'4", the shortest president, and Abraham Lincoln was 6'4". Oh, <gasps> a wild coink a Just kidding. All right. Andrew Johnson, though one of the few presidents without a pet, Johnson apparently cared for his family of the White House mice, which he called the little fellows. Oh, my Aww. gosh. That's Gross. something I would do. <laughs> that is not something I would do. Okay. I know this guy's name, but I can't say it. Grant. Ulysses Ulysses S. Grant, Civil War general, was invited to join Abraham Lincoln at the Ford Theater on that fateful night of April 14, 1865, but was forced to decline after he and his wife had made plans to visit their children in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Probably a good thing he didn't go. Yep. Ruther Ford B. Hayes. Am I saying that right? I think it's not quite that, but... That's literally what I'm reading, so... it's Go ahead. Anyways, President Hayes was the first president to have a telephone in the White House. Wow. Does it say what year it was? 1877 to 1881. Wow. That's weird. That's hard to believe that telephones were around that far back. I'm learning a lot this episode. James Garfield, who was first known, or like was the first known left-handed president, elected to the U.S. Senate... But he never served an Ohio senator because he won the Republic nomination for president. Oh, okay. So he went in. Like, yeah. Okay. He was elected for U.S. Senate, but then never served because then he, he went, went right president. to being yeah. president. Uh, Chester Arthur was named in honor of the Chester Abel, the doctor who delivered him. Oh, wow. That's That'd be interesting. funny to be named after your like OB doctor. I hope they have a good name. <laughs> um, 22nd and 24th, Grover Cleveland. No president except Cleveland has ever served non-consecutive terms. He defeated James Blaine in 1884, lost to Benjamin Harrison in 1880, despite winning by popular vote, but then came back to defeat Harrison in 1892. Well, that's cool. I know that is kind of cool. Benjamin Harrison was the first president to hire a female White House staff. Sweet. Good for you, Mr. Harrison. Mm-hmm. William McKinley 
Um, likeness appeared on the $500 bill, which was discontinued in 1969. Oh, okay. I'm like, I've not seen one of those. ain't got no $500 bills these days. Wish I had one. It'd be worth more than $500 now. Probably. Definitely. (laughs) Theodore Roosevelt was the youngest president taking office at age 42. Oh, wow. William Howard Taft, famous for his corpulence... Corpulence. Uh, corpulence. Sure, yeah. Taft was the first president to hurl the ceremonial first pitch at a major league baseball game. To hurl. Hurl. Yeah, to throw the ball. Yes. That's cool. Woodrow Wilson officially established the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. Oh, thank you, that. sir. Thank you, good sir, Wilson. Warren Harding, prior to taking office, hand wrote a series of love letters to his mistress, the wife of one of his best friends. Oh, cheater. Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. (laughs) A quiet man, Calvin Coolidge. Coolidge, thank you. Um, Reported, no, pure portly reply. Purportedly. Thank you. You lose to a visitor who bet she could get at least three words out of him. Oh. I have no idea anything I have you no just idea said. He said, <laughs> he said you lose. He said two words. You lose. Oh, yes. She bet she could get three words out of him, so he must not have been a talker. Oh, yeah. I mean, it does say a quiet man. Yeah. And it, I find it funny that I cannot pronounce a damn thing in my part, but yeah, I can pronounce all the words in yours. <laughs> I guess so. That's true. Well, these are names. I'm not very good with names, okay? And I'm just going to be honest. I don't keep up with the presidents, you know? Like, I don't know these people's names besides the more popular ones. Herbert Hoover, Hoover, (laughs) Hoover, like the vacuum. I'm sorry, that one made me laugh. You should know that one. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, Iowa native who spent part of his boyhood in Oregon. He was the first president to hail from the west of the Mississippi River. Franklin Roosevelt, the longest serving commander in chief, claimed to be distantly related to 11 other presidents, including his fifth cousin, Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, so it was like in the blood. In the family. Harry S. Truman, the S. Truman. Truman, thank you. The S in Harry S. was just an initial. It did not stand for anything. But the S in Ulysses. Ulysses S. Grant didn't stand for anything either. Oh. So it's literally just an S. S. Kind of just reminds me of Chloe's middle yeah. name, just a, a K. K. Yeah. Dwight Eisenhower, World War II hero, was the first president to ride in a helicopter. Oh, wow. I know, weird. When was that? That was 1953 to 1961. Oh, okay. Interesting. That is interesting. John F. Kennedy, after being injured and honorably discharged in World War II, he was briefly employed as a journalist during the weeks of war. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that. he was a war journalist. Is it Landon Johnson? Lyndon. Lyndon Lyndon B. Johnson. Okay. They had, it's L-Y-N, so I wasn't sure how to pronounce it. Um, His first career was as a teacher. He worked at a school near the U.S.-Mexico border for four years before launching his career into politics. Richard M. Nixon became such a skillful, skillful poker player while stationed during World War II that his winnings helped launch his political year upon his return into the United States. His political career? That's what, that what you're trying to say? Yeah, is that not what I said? <laughs> not quite, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, Gerald Ford, a star football player at the University of Michigan, turned down offers from both the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. Mm. Jimmy wow. Carter, 
When his father died in 1953, Carter gave up his successful military career to move back to Georgia to work on the family's peanut farm. Okay. This is so interesting, just the things you learn. Mm -hmm. Ronald Reagan worked as a lifeguard and sportscaster before becoming an actor and then later a politician. Dang. Yeah. That's so funny. I remember that was the first president that I really remember because I was in fifth grade and I wanted him to win. Mm. We talked about it a lot at school. That's funny because also the first presidential election I remember was when I was in fifth grade and it was Obama. And who was the other guy? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't remember now. I remember, I remember. I remember. Well, there was it's Mitt the Romney. Guy. That's Mitt what I'm Romney. thinking of. Yeah. Okay. Um, George Bush, while a student at Yale University, Bush was captain of the baseball team and a member of the Skull and Bones, an elite secret student society. Oh. Interesting. Who was that again? George Bush. George Bush. Oh, sorry. I didn't hear. So Bill that's senior. Clinton. Yeah, senior. Um, Clinton played the saxophone and famously performed on an Arsenio Hall show. Arsenio Hall. I, sure. I don't well, know I don't why know I'm having a hard time for. saying it. But you know what I'm talking about. I do. Okay. Um, when he was candidate for president. Now, George W. Bush, post-presidency, Bush took up oil painting. And there are exhibits of his work at the Museum in of uh, Southwest in Texas. Oh, that's cool. So that's kind of interesting. Barack Obama, prior to becoming the first African-American president, he won two Grammy Awards, the Best Spoken World Album, and his wife, Michelle, likewise won a Grammy. Really? And I didn't know that either. Oh, I, did not I had no idea. That. Donald Trump, before becoming president, was a real estate developer, entrepreneur, and host of an NBC reality show, The Apprentice. And then Joe Biden. Biden overcame a debilitating childhood stutter after enduring bowling over a condition in grade school. Interesting. Okay, that's sad, but it kind of makes sense. That makes me feel bad because people always make fun of how he talks. I know. And he had to overcome like a speech impediment. Yeah. And then just the whole world makes fun of him. Why don't why don't we know that? Yeah, why like, don't we know that? that? Yeah, they, they would should say tell us something because that does make me feel bad. Oh, me too. No. I was like, oh. I always just feel bad. Honestly, any president. I've thought about that before. I'm like, I feel bad for them. Like you're just constantly getting I mean, I guess you kind of know what you sign up for when True, you're getting yeah. into it, but still. Yeah, haters. Gonna they hate. go hate. haters gonna hate. All right, those are my forty-six facts about forty-six presidents. Thanks. My On turn. to you, my dude. Okay, so I didn't find <laughs> not nude. Dude. Yeah, not nude. <laughs> nude dude. dude. <laughs> nude dude. No, I didn't find specific stories about specific presidents. Gotcha. I found some interesting stories about the White House. Ah. Oh, so okay. the first one I was going to go over is how was the location of the White House selected. I don't know. It says, have you ever wondered? I well, have yes, wondered. actually, I have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so located along the banks of the Potomac River. Potomac. Wow. <laughs> it's not our day, <laughs> you guys. the pinky where the bullfrogs jump, jump from. Banky, banky, say, east side, south, south. I was going for that one. I say One jumped in and went kerplop. I do it slower. And goes kerplop. Well, yeah. Anyway. Anyways. Back to the White House. Whatever. Sorry. Back to the House of Whiteness. The site of the nation's capital city was selected after much debate through a compromise between Southern and Northern representatives during the late 1780s. The Residence Act of 19, uh, sorry, of 1790 placed the site along the Potomac River. Potomac. Potomac River. 
I'm not going to say it anymore. And gave <laughs> say pre- the river against the river and gave President George Washington the authority to select the exact location of the new capital city. President Washington marked the spot for the future north walls and entrance of the White House. The chosen location and position for the White House symbolically linked the president's house to the U.S. Capitol via Pennsylvania Avenue. So, well, you know, what's interesting. That's why it's there. It's at the <laughs> time when he picked that. There's like they probably it was probably like, oh, this is a beautiful spot. Beautiful, wide open. Did I remember when we drove past the White House in D.C. and I'm like, this is where it's at? Yeah, you could barely even this see it. This of all places? From I all remember the big buildings around it. I tweeted at Donald Trump. I remember. And I said, I'm outside the White House. And then like a few hours later, he had tweeted something and I screenshot it and tweeted again and tagged him in it and said, typical men on social media, but not responding. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's, that is funny. But I just think it's so interesting that you think of the, or when you see it in movies, you think it's got this nice, luscious area. Think well, of like I mean, a gated does. community. I know, but, but they're shooting in close to it. To it, yeah. Because there's so much stuff around it. You if can barely see it. If you've never driven past it, it's literally like, it's just crowded. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. right next to neighborhoods. It's literally just like, it's so weird. It's just not what I envisioned. Well, and probably back in the day, well, actually in the White House that stands now, isn't the same White House that stood originally. So Lexi will probably talk about that. But oh. I bet they could see the Potomac River too from it. So it probably was a pretty view at the time. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know this. Continue. Also, before I get to cite my sources, this is all from whitehousehistory.org. Oh, yeah. And the Potomac River, remember when we parked to go to the mall and see uh, Lincoln's statue in the, yes. the reflection pool? Mm-hmm. The river that we parked next to was the Potomac. Oh, Okay. Things we should definitely know as born and raised American citizens, but that shows you how good the education system is. (laughs) Anyway, how did the White House get its name? It was the house that was white. Good job. There is a... (laughs) You're wrong. (laughs) There is a popular misconception that the White House was first painted white to cover the scorch marks left by British soldiers who burned the house on August 24th, 1814. In fact, the White House first received a lime-based whitewash in 1798 to protect its sandstone exterior from moisture and cracking during winter freezes. The term White House was occasionally used in newspapers and periodicals throughout the 19th century, but most journalists, citizens, and visitors referred to it as either the President's House or the Executive Mansion. On October 17, 1901, President Theodore Roosevelt's secretary, George B. Cordelieu, I think, sent a letter to the Secretary of State... John Hay, at Roosevelt's direction, Cordelieu asked Secretary Hay and his staff to change the headings or datelines of all official papers and documents requiring, requiring Roosevelt's signature from Executive Mansion to White House. Similar directives were sent to the other cabinet secretaries, and Roosevelt changed the presidential stationery short, shortly thereafter as well. Oh. So he's the one who actually Sweet. made took it so that it's called the, the White, White House. Yeah, took the White House and... Which is kind of interesting because I feel like executive mansion sounds so much fancier. Yeah, but I live uh, maybe in the executive mansion. Maybe he was trying to be more uh, with the people. Yes, humble. Yeah, humble and more approachable. I don't live like in a the, mansion. I live. In I a live white in a white house. house. Yeah. Oh, I like it. It happens know. to be a huge white house. But yeah, fifty-five thousand square feet to be exact. Oh wow, mm-hmm. that's huge. Daddy Dale asked me, and Daddy Dale was like, "How big is it? It's not that big." I Google it, and I was like, fifty-five thousand square feet." And he was like, "That's pretty big." <laughs> Dad's like, yeah, "That's pretty big." But I think it's just because, like we said before, when you go past it, there's so much other buildings that are higher. That it like dwarfs it. Yeah, which made me wonder: it, are all the buildings around it government buildings? Because I why would they allow so. them to be taller than the White House? And you know, somebody might come in and 
sniper. Like, oh, not, I get what you're saying. Not like, a it good could be situation. a danger type yeah. situation. I don't know. Okay, well, lastly. I'm sure Secret Service has thought about it. I'm sure it's not up to me. <laughs> <laughs> so has the White House ever been renovated or changed? I think the answer might be yes. Yes, many, many times, it says. <laughs> Today, there is a marker embedded in the floor of the White House entrance hall, which includes the dates of the four major instances of White House construction and renovation. They are 1792, 1817, 1902, 1952, and 1792. Um, rep- oh, sorry. 1792 represents the year that the cornerstone was laid and construction began on the White House. 1817 marks the build of the White House after the British burned it on August 24th, 1814. 1902 commemorates Theodore Roosevelt's renovation, which modernized the White House for the 20th century and established the West Wing as the new executive office space for the president and their staff. And 1952 marks the completion of the Harry S. Truman renovation, which completely gutted and rebuilt the White House from the inside. While not included on this marker, there was also another significant renovation that took place in 1927 during the Calvin Coolidge administration. Sorry, Calvin Coolidge. In addition to these major renovations, there have been numerous other changes to the White House over the years. As technology advanced, new means of heating, plumbing, lighting, and cooling were installed at the White House. And since the last major renovation by Harry S. Truman, every president and first lady has made changes inside the White House, but in very different ways. Some have renovated or refurbished the rooms. For example, the Blue Room underwent renovations by Jacqueline Kennedy, Thelma Pat Nixon, and Hillary Clinton. Some have added artwork, portraiture, and furniture to the White House collection. For example, Mamie Eisenhower accepted a gift of 1,575 pieces of vermeil. I don't know what that is. I think that's uh, dinnerware. Dinner. I should probably. Like plates? Let's Google it just so we are sure. Vermeil is known as a silver gilt. High quality silver that is pleated with a thin layer of gold. Okay. I'm not sure Hmm. for what, but go ahead. I don't know. Oh, like this. Oh, oh those. so it is servingware. Okay, okay. So I wasn't so off. So base. think of like a gold plate with a little with like statue. a gold, like almost like something you'd pour like gravy out of. Mm-hmm. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> um, Michelle Obama secured Alma Tom- Thomas's painting "Resurrection," the first work of art of an African American woman in the collection, and Melina Trump acquired. Isamu Noguchi's sculpture floor frame for the White House Rose Garden. Others have supported exterior projects on the White House grounds. For example, Claudia Ladybird Johnson oversaw the redesign of the East Garden and the creation of the Children's Garden. Gerald R. Ford ordered an outdoor swimming pool to be built, and Michelle Obama created the White House Kitchen Garden on the South Lawn. Every first family leaves a mark on the home, and while some of these changes can be temporary, others continue into the next administration and beyond. That's awesome. Wow. But I think that's interesting because that is something I kind of thought before but never really thought to look up. Mm -hmm. was like if they're allowed to just – like it's your house. Are you allowed just to do whatever you want? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, if what we saw on National Treasure is true, and of course it's a movie, so who knows if it really (laughs) is. But it sounds like the president gets to decide what stuff's in the Oval Office with them. Like – can change the drapes or the pictures oh, or the... Oh, well, I'm sure. Yeah. They, there's like a whole archive of stuff that they can go choose from. Really quick, too. I Googled this because I was curious when, Lexi, when you're talking. But it says that um, 
when the White House was originally constructed in 1792, its cost was $232,000. Wow, that was a lot of money in at that time. In August of 2016, it was around a million, or mm-hmm. excuse me, a hundred million dollars, like value. Mm-hmm. And then in 2017, it went up to 400 million. Oh, I can oh, wow. only imagine and what now, it is now. For 2023, its estimate is around 539,908,770. So technically, just the government owns the White House, right? Basically, it's pretty much. So if you're the yeah. president and you go in there and you're like, we're selling it, <laughs> you can't sell it. I know, I'm just joking. Yeah, that is crazy. We're going to be rich. We're going to be rich. <laughs> Me starts running, starts getting I'm into my political president. career with my oh, whole goal so to be to sell, sell the White, White House and get rich. I have no desire to be like that much of a public figure or Mm-mm. like, you know, I'd be I'm okay sorry. with maybe a, a teeny bit of like, well, being well known, like with this podcast and whatnot, I would love more people to know about it and for it to grow. But I would never want to be so famous that, like, you can't go to the store. Or, like, I just want to be in obscurity. I just don't want people to recognize like, me agree. everywhere I go. I don't go. want to sign myself up to be bullied. That's yep. all. There you go. Yeah. I don't want to be bullied. You and guys speaking be nice. <laughs> of that, Kyle took me out to Rodigio Grill for my birthday. Because mm-hmm. we just wanted to try it. Because we always go to Tacanos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we wanted to try it. It was actually really good. The meat was... Nice. Anyways, guess who was there? And guess who we saw? The head BYU football coach. And oh. we saw him get stopped like a million times. Oh, and we like decided not to talk to him. Yeah. Because we're like, let's just let him enjoy his evening. Like, yeah. I'm sure he gets stopped all, all the, time. the time. So it was kind of like, oh, that would be fun, but kind of suck all at the same time. Yeah. Agreed. Like, well, I feel like most people like that, like they appreciate that people are excited to see them. Like when I hear other podcasters that aren't huge, they're like, no, I love it when people come up and say hi to me. So I feel like yeah. that would be fine. I yeah. just wouldn't want to go in public and just have everyone and their freaking dog be like, oh my god, Or like following you around yeah. and that kind of thing. Like stalkerish stuff. Yes. Is what like I'm I wouldn't be about. opposed to getting recognized, let's say, from this podcast if yeah. that ever happened. But yeah. I don't want to be famous. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. So, well, we're very excited that you joined us. We want to do some more nap time episodes. So if you would like to have your story read. And interpreted, possibly. Yep. Uh, send us that email at deadtotheworldpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media accounts. And our username is just Dead to the World Podcast. Yep. And rate and review us. And rate and review us, please. And thank you. And, and we hope you learned something new. Join us next week to, to find, find out, out what happens when we are dead, dead to, to the, the world. world. We just get worse at the intros I and know. outros as time goes on. <laughs> <laughs>